Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the one, the only Sean Sports Stop podcast. I am so excited. It's been a while. Uh, I've been slacking. My last episode was on August the 14th. Uh, Today is October 16th. I am not a mathematician by any means, but that means it's been around two months since the latest podcast episode. That is way too long. This is episode number 398. Uh, As you just heard, legendary UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer do the intro. Shout out to him. Number 398. Uh, before before I get into it, I want to dedicate this episode to a few special people, Ariel, Jazzy, and Elliot. So I appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, let's get back into it. Kind of just reflecting, it's um, kind of crazy to think about. I mean, when you factor in the, the athletes that I've interviewed on the show, I've done over 400 podcast episodes. Uh, again, this is number 398 of uh, just reporting sports news and things like that. Um, it's just surreal to think about. You know, I started started this podcast because I was, uh, I had some extra time when I was, you know, in high school. I was 14 years old when I started this podcast. And um, here I am, 19 years old. I mean, I'm a little, I would say actually a lot off pace because originally this was supposed to be a daily show. And, uh, you know, the math doesn't quite add up. It's been since the spring of 2018. We are now in the fall of 2022. So coming up on five years, five years, half a decade since I started the show. Um, and obviously not not at a daily rate. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be at well over a thousand episodes. And uh, we, are, we are only squeaking to 400. But uh, I plan on doing thousands of podcast episodes. I am going nowhere. I appreciate you guys for listening. And with that said, uh, let's get right into it. Got to get it off my chest as a big Dodger fan. Uh, just, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's so, so sad, so unfortunate how the Dodger season ended. Baseball could be a cruel sport. Um, I mean, the fact that the Dodgers, Braves, and Mets, that none of those teams made the championship series in the National League is crazy. Uh, all three of those teams had north of 100 wins, and none of them made it past the first round of the playoffs. The Mets um, and Dodgers losing to the Padres in the wild card series round and the NLDS, respectively, while the Braves lost to the Philadelphia Phillies. Just pretty crazy. I mean, baseball playoffs are a crapshoot. You never know. Uh, I know I could have never imagined that it would be a, a Phillies Padres NLCS. That's pretty fucking wild to me. Uh, again, as a Dodger fan, it hurts. I mean, our team won 111 games. There were talks of this team being the greatest MLB team in history. Um, obviously, you know, none of none of it matters when you lose in the first round of the playoffs. Um, the bats got cold. They averaged three runs a game, which is abysmal uh, compared to the offensive production that the Dodgers had all year. Uh, the pitching also wasn't great. I mean, Urias and Kershaw unable to go past five innings. 
Dave Roberts for some reason pulling Tyler Anderson when he was dealing uh, yesterday in game four. Um, so just a tough season. Unfortunately, probably the last we see of Cody Bellinger and Trey Turner in Dodger blue, which is a, a very sad realization, if I'm honest, um, especially with Bellinger. I mean, he was with on the team for six years, first coming up as a rookie, having a stellar rookie season, winning the National League Rookie of the Year, making it to the World Series with the Dodgers in 2017, uh, having a bit of a down, down year in 2018, but then absolutely tearing up the MLB in 2019, winning the National League MVP hitting over 40 home runs. I mean, if not for Cody Bellinger in 2019, Christian Yelich would have won back-to-back MVPs. Um, and the Dodgers bowed out in the first round that year as well, losing to the Washington Nationals in five games, who ended up winning the World Series. Uh, who is the common factor between the 2019 Nationals and the 2022 Padres? I'll tell you, Juan Soto. Um, so yeah, I mean, a rough, rough ending for the Dodgers. Um, I'll be cheering for the Phillies NLCS, no doubt. It might, you know, skedaddle to uh, San Diego with the homie for the uh, for the NLCS. I was, you know, hoping the Dodgers would be in the NLCS, but uh, like I said, baseball is a cruel sport, uh, and uh, at this point, I hope anybody but the Astros wins the World Series. With that said, let's transition to the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers are all kinds of a mess right now. And I guess, you know, similar to the Dodgers, Laker fans are spoiled, myself included. The Los Angeles Lakers, quote, have some worry that guard Dennis Schroeder's right finger injury could be a long-term issue per The Athletic. Schroeder did not travel with the Lakers to Sacramento for their Friday preseason game against the Sacramento Kings. He will, be con- he will continue to be evaluated for the time being. Schroeder suffered the injury during the team's October 12th preseason matchup against the Minnesota Timberwolves. He played nine minutes before exiting the game. Brad Turner of the Los Angeles Times provided more information on Friday. Schroeder is in his second stint with the Lakers after previously playing in L.A. in 2020-21. The Lakers signed him to a one-year, $2.64 million deal in September. Boy, I bet he feels bad about turning down $84 million over four years. He... Thought he was worth $100 million. He most certainly was not. No disrespect to Dennis Schroeder, and I've maintained the same position on this uh, the entire time. I think he'll be a valuable role player for the Lakers, especially with the uncertainty uncertainty that comes with Russell Westbrook in 2022. Um, so, yeah, let's let's switch gears to some football. New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara is facing a civil lawsuit for allegedly assaulting a man in in Las Vegas during Pro Bowl weekend in February. According to 8 News Now, the lawsuit was filed by Daryl Green Jr. in Louisiana on Friday. Green said that Kamara punched him multiple times, causing, causing him to suffer severe injuries to his neck, back, shoulder, knees, and face. I mean, based on that description, uh, was what else was, was Kamara kicking him? I mean, <laughs> Green's attorney is Tony Busby, who represented 25 women who filed civil lawsuits against Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, accusing him of sexual assault or misconduct during massage therapy sessions. So it looks like uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Busby, better call Busby, is uh, trying to, you know, crack down on on NFL players first um, representing women that are suing Deshaun Watson for all the crazy shit that he did. And now, um, you know, <laughs> Daryl Green Jr. who got, you know, beat up by Alvin Kamara. Uh, 
Green suit states that he is seeking $5 million in compensatory damages and at least $5 million in punitive damages from Camara. <laughs> I mean, $10 million for uh, a punch in the face is, you know, a little crazy if you ask me, but hey, we're in the U.S. and this thing, these things go. Camara was arrested in Las Vegas after taking part in the Pro Bowl on February 6th, one day after the alleged, alleged, uh, alleged assault took place. Following his arrest, Camara was charged with battery resulting in substantial bodily harm, meaning he is not facing a civil suit in addition to criminal charges. Hearings for Camara's criminal case have been postponed multiple times. Most recently, the hearing was delayed for another month in late September. The 27-year-old Camara is in the middle of his sixth season in the NFL, all of which have been with the New Orleans Saints. The five-time Pro Bowler and 2017 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, has rushed for 203 yards and no touchdowns while also uh, catching 11 passes for 110 yards in three games this season. Uh, so that's the update on Alvin Kamara. Hopefully all those legal issues will be sorted out. But uh, we got some more football to talk about. The Miami Dolphins are expected to get Tua Tagovailoa back from a concu- back from concussion uh, in time for next week's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Per Adam Schefter of ESPN, Tagovailoa has cleared concussion protocol after being evaluated by his own doctors, Miami's medical staff, and four outside opinions. They are not fucking around. Four outside opinions is more than enough. According to Schefter, the Dolphins quarterback was, quote, unanimously cleared by all the medical evaluators to return. He will be inactive, or he wasn't active, for today's game against the Minnesota Vikings, but is in line to start on October 23rd against the Steelers. Tua hasn't played since being knocked out of Miami's Week 4 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on September 29th after the back of his head slammed into the ground following a hit from defensive tackle Josh Tupu. Uh, Great to see that Tua will be back, and I'm uh, really excited to see him play. I think the Dolphins have a lot of potential this season. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited to see Tua play. We got some more football to talk about, some more players coming back from injury. The Los Angeles Chargers could be getting a key weapon back soon. Keenan Allen told reporters on Friday that he's aiming to return from a hamstring injury in Week 7 against the Seattle Seahawks. Quote, we're just playing it day by day, the Chargers wide receiver said. This week would be great, but I don't think I'm going to make it, so Seattle's looking bright. Allen looked like he was going to have a fantastic start to the season. The 30-year-old had four receptions for 66 yards in the first half against the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 1 but he left the game in the second quarter with a hamstring injury. After sitting out the next two games, Allen uh, looked to be back on track for a return in week four, but he would end. He wound up leaving practice with a trainer early on September 29th after aggravating the injury. Sitting out for so long has given Allen some more time to watch games on TV. The five-time Pro Bowler wrote in a since-deleted tweet, quote, WTF are we doing in reference to head coach Brandon Staley's decision to go for it on fourth and one, from the Chargers' 46-yard line, holding a 30-28 lead over the Cleveland Browns in Week 5. Staley told reporters earlier this week he and Allen discussed the situation and are, quote, going to become closer because of it. Allen said Friday he sent the tweet because he, quote, didn't feel what they were feeling, but it made sense after Staley spoke to him in a meeting. The Chargers enter Monday's game against the Denver Broncos coming off back-to-back wins. Their 3-2 record ranked second in the AFC West, one game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Los Angeles will host the Seahawks on October 23rd at SoFi Stadium before its bye week in Week 8. 
Allen led the Chargers in targets, receptions, and ranked second in receiving yards last season. So he is a huge weapon uh, at the disposal of Justin Herbert. And I am very much looking forward to the return of Keenan Allen and seeing him seeing him back. Um, let's switch gears to some more football. Christian McCaffrey could be playing for another team come next month. With the November 1st trade deadline very close, very quickly approaching, the Carolina Panthers are, quote, listening to offers for the veteran running back Christian McCaffrey uh, following the firing of head coach Matt Rule per Adam Schefter of ESPN, who notes, quote, a deal might not be easy to complete. The Panthers rebuffed at least two teams' inquiries into trading for McCaffrey last week and will continue to reject overtures that they don't consider to be significant offers, according to sources. While the Panthers aren't actively shopping McCaffrey, he is, quote, receiving the most significant interest from teams compared to some of Carolina's other players who might be available per NFL Network. The Denver Broncos, San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams, and Buffalo Bills are all the are among the teams who have expressed interest in McCaffrey per Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. The Rams and Panthers played today with a 24-10 Rams win. Uh, Cam Akers has more than likely played his last snap as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Perhaps he can be included in a Christian McCaffrey trade. I would be absolutely over the moon as a Rams fan if it was to happen. Uh, McCaffrey signed a four-year, $64 million extension with the Panthers in April 2020, making him the highest-paid running back in football. However, he has not lived up to that contract since, mostly because of injuries. The 26-year-old played in only three games in 2020 because of a high ankle sprain, a shoulder injury, and a thigh injury. Last season, he played only seven games before missing the remainder of the season with an ankle ailment. McCaffrey has appeared in all five games to start this season, rushing for 324 yards and two touchdowns, but the Panthers are fourth in the NFC South with a 1-4 record and appear headed toward their fifth straight season without a playoff appearance. McCaffrey was the eighth overall pick in the 2017 draft, won't be a free agent until 2026, so he is a hot commodity for teams, but uh, his contract is not team-friendly by any means. Um, now, something on a, a bit of a serious note. Basketball Hall of Fame center Dikembe Mutombo is receiving treatment for a brain tumor in Atlanta. Uh, the NBA released a statement. In the press release, the NBA noted that Mutombo is in, quote, great spirits and will receive, quote, the best care possible from a team of specialists. Mutombo is only 56 years old, you know, roughly the same age as my dad. Uh, he's widely regarded as one of the greatest defensive centers in NBA history. The 7-2 big men uh, stifled opposing players during an 18-year NBA career that lasted from 1991 through 2009. That saw him play for the Denver Nuggets, Atlanta Hawks, Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Nets, New York Knicks, and Houston Rockets. He was originally the number four overall pick in the 1991 NBA draft out of Georgetown by the Nuggets, and he went on to earn eight all-star appearances, six NBA all-team, all-defensive team selections, four NBA Defensive Player of the Year awards, three block titles, and two rebounding titles. Uh, in almost 1,200 games, he averaged 10 points, 10 rebounds, and three blocks while shooting 52% from the floor. Affectionately known as Mount Mutombo, he is second in NBA history with 3,289 blocks and ranks 20th on the all-time NBA rebounding list with over 12,000 boards. Thanks to his on-court excellence, Mutombo's number 55 jersey has been retired by both Nuggets and Atlanta Hawks, which are the two NBA teams that he is most synonymous with. Mutombo, who was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, has done a great deal of humanitarian work on his home continent of Africa since retiring from the game of basketball. 
He is an NBA global ambassador with a special focus toward growing the game of basketball in Africa. And he played a significant role in the NBA Africa exhibition games played in, in South Africa in 2015, 2017, and 2018. Um, prayers are for Dikembe Mutombo. Hopefully he beats this tumor. I have no doubt that he will. No doubt that he will. And I'm looking forward to seeing him around soon. Switching gears to more basketball. After playing a key role in the Golden State Warriors championship run in 2021-22, Andrew Wiggins has been rewarded with a nice new contract. Per Woj of ESPN, Wiggins' agent said he agreed to a four-year deal worth $109 million to stay with the reigning NBA champions. Wiggins' extension came on the same day that they agreed to a four-year extension worth $140 million with Jordan Poole. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen and heard about the Jordan Poole and Draymond Green fiasco. Um, so it's looking like the Warriors will have an easy decision. They gave the bag to Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. Uh, frankly, I did not think that both of them would stay with Golden State simply because, uh, you know, I thought at the time that the Warriors would prioritize giving Draymond Green the bag. But with all his shenanigans and, you know, punching, I mean, absolutely smashing Jordan Poole's face with his fist for no good reason at all, uh, it looks like the Warriors would not mind, um, you know, moving on from him. He had, I mean, I'm not going to get on, get into it when it comes to Draymond. Uh, but Wiggins had one year and $33.6 million remaining on the deal that he originally signed in 2017. He entered contract talks with a lot of leverage based on his performance last season. He was voted to his first all-star team as a starter. So he definitely exceeded expectations last season. Uh, the former number one overall pick averaged 17 points per game and shot a career-high 39.3% from three-point range in 73 starts last season. And he was also the best defensive season of Wiggins' career. He was tied with Stephen Curry for the most defensive win shares on the Warriors at 3.4 uh, per basketball reference. So a key player locked up for the Warriors. Um, I mentioned that Jordan Poole signed an extension with the Warriors as well. Uh, you know, after a breakout season for him, which was a huge part in the Warriors winning the championship, Poole has also signed an extension, four years, $140 million. He was heading into the final year of his rookie deal and was eligible for an extension for the first time this offseason. The former Michigan standout became the focus of some controversy again during the preseason after a practice altercation with Draymond Green, who stepped away from the team indefinitely before returning on Thursday. Poole remained a key part of the organization while impressing head coach Steve Kerr. Quote, there's a reason he's in there's a reason he's in this position about to sign a big extension. Hopefully Kerr told reporters he's just tough. He's mentally tough and physically tough and ultra confident in his game. Uh, so golden state now keeps the 23 year old under contract as he tries to build off his breakout season. Um, after averaging 10.3 points per game, mostly off the bench during his first years in golden state, even spending some time in the G league pool took on a bigger role last season. He made it count with averages of 18 and a half points four assists and three and a half rebounds per game. He was one of the most improved players in the NBA with a scoring jump of six and a half points per game, and he led the entire league with a 92.5% percent conversion rate uh, from the free throw line. So Jordan Poole has definitely earned his contract extension. Uh, and yeah, the Warriors locked in two great players. Let's switch gears to some baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies have advanced to the National League Championship Series thanks to some unlikely heroes. Philadelphia earned an 8-3 win in Saturday's Game 4 against the Atlanta Braves, clinching a 3-1 series victory. It's In a lineup full of high-profile players, it was the number 9 hitter 
acquired from the Los Angeles Angels at the trade deadline, Brandon Marsh, who had the biggest hit of the day as a three-run home run, gave the Phillies the, ear, the early lead. Um, and that was enough. Fans were also impressed by the Phillies pitching on Saturday, including from guys who had previously struggled like Noah Syndergaard and Jose Alvarado. So, like I said, the Phillies will meet the Padres in the NLCS. That should be a very fun series, and I'm um, looking forward to it. Let's transition to some college football. Numbers, the number seven USC Trojans were upset by the number 20 Utah Utes, 43-42 to on Saturday at Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City to fall to 6-1. and The Utes took the lead with 48 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter when quarterback Cameron Rising rushed in for a one-yard score and converted on the two-point attempt. It was a risky call as an extra point would have tied the game, but the decision to go for two paid off for Kyle, Whitting- Kyle Whittingham's squad. Uh, the Trojans tried to respond on the final drive of the game, but two false starts made it nearly impossible for USC to get into field goal range for a potential game winner. It was a tough loss for the Trojans as quarterback Caleb Williams threw for 381 yards and five touchdowns in the loss. However, the offense was not the problem. The issue was U- the USC defense allowing 562 yards of total offense, 424 of which were passing. So that kind of defense is just not enough. Um, And another college football upset, uh, I saw someone said this wasn't an upset. To me, this was a a upset upset for sure. Tennessee is suddenly a legitimate national title contender after their shocking 52-49 win over number three Alabama. Quarterback Hendon Hooker needed just 15 seconds to drive 45 yards to set up the game-winning 40-yard field goal as time expired. Uh, it was a crazy win for the Volunteers. Um, just crazy. I mean, 52-49, to 49, that's a very college football-like score. Um, game of the year, probably the upset of the year so far. Very exciting stuff. College football is wild. Um, one of those sports where you never know uh, what kind of upsets you'll see. Um, yeah, just pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Having some technical difficulties here. Let's transition to some NFL. Let's do it. Tom Brady still believes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have another gear to hit following their 20 to 18 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier today. Brady told reporters after the game, the Buccaneers quote, didn't earn it and are quote, all playing less than we're capable of. One could argue that the problems start with Brady in the offense entering week six, Tampa Bay was was third in defensive efficiency, but 13th in offensive efficiency per football outsiders. Once again, the Buccaneers were leaning on their defense to win the day as they allowed 270 total yards to the Steelers, yet gained only 304 themselves total. Brady finished 25 of 40 for 243 yards and one touchdown through six starts. His 275.3 yards per game are on pace to be his lowest since 2019. The 45-year-old's frustration has been evident at times this season, and on Sunday he gave his offensive line an earful, but it was not enough to win the game. It was enough today from Garrett Cole, who pitched an absolute masterclass. The quest for world title number 28 continues for the New York Yankees as they kept their season alive with a 4-2 road victory over the Cleveland Guardians in Game 4 of the ALDS. The series is tied at two games apiece and will shift back to New York for the decisive Game 5 tomorrow on Monday. Every season is World Series or bust for the Yankees, who have not been in the World Series since 2009, and handed the ball to Garrett Cole in in an effort to prevent that drought from continuing. All the A's did was strike strike out eight eight strikeouts while allowing six hits and two earned runs in seven clutch innings of work. 
He also won game one and is the main reason that the Bronx Bombers are still in this series through four games. Um, he's no doubt proved himself to be the ace of this team of the Yankees. But it wasn't a one-man show as Anthony Rizzo started the scoring with an RBI single in the first inning before Harrison Bader provided some early breathing room with a two-run home run in the second inning. Cleveland managed something against Cole thanks to Jose Ramirez's blue RBI single in the third and Josh Naylor's solo home run in the fourth. But the right-hander limited the damage thanks in part to some poor base running from Ramirez when he was thrown out after venturing too far from the bag on the turn on his single. Uh, an insurance run in the sixth inning from Giancarlo Stanton's sack fly after Aaron Judge singled and Rizzo doubled, took some of the pressure off the bullpen, and Clay Holmes responded with a scoreless eighth before Wandy Peralta closed the door in the ninth. Once again, the deciding game five uh, is tomorrow. And um, yeah, let's let's cover Let's just look at the NFL landscape uh, to close out this episode of the Sean Sports. Podcast number 398. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I mean, this is the first podcast I've done since the start of the NFL season. So let's look at it. Week six. First up, the Thursday night game was a snooze fest. The Washington Commanders 12 to 7 over the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Commanders improved to 2 and 4, while the Bears fall to 2 and 4. Two mediocre teams. Carson Wentz had less than 100 passing yards. I mean, that is pathetic. Even Justin Fields had 190 yards, a touchdown, and interception. But overall, a snooze fest. The Minnesota Vikings improved to 5 and 1 with a 24 to 16 road win over the Miami Dolphins, who fall to 3 and 3. Kirk Cousins with a great game, nothing to say, 20 of 30, 175 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Jefferson with a casual 107 receiving yards, six receptions, meaning he averaged almost 18 yards per, rece- per reception. Tua Tagovailoa not quite back. Teddy Bridgewater, 23 of 34, 329 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, not enough to beat a team like the Vikings, who once again improved to 5-1. and one. Already co- covered the Steelers over the Buccaneers. Next up, the Indianapolis Colts are staying afloat with a 34-27 home win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts are now 3-2-1, while the Jaguars are 2-4. Trevor Lawrence, great game, 20-22, of 20, 265 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, the Jaguars running backs had a lot of work. Matt Ryan, what a game, 42-58, of 58, 389 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, absolutely carrying the Colts, willing the Colts to a win over the Jaguars. The Cincinnati Bengals bouncing back with a narrow win on the road over the New Orleans Saints, 30 to 26. They improved to three and three while the Saints fall to two and four. A lot of two and four teams so far. Joe Shiesty, Joey B, Joe Burrow, 28 of 37 for a cool and even 300 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, an amazing game from Joe Burrow. For the Saints, the former Bengal, Andy Dalton, 17 of 32, 162 yards and a touchdown. Nothing to write home about. The Saints are mediocre. Uh, What else do we got? What do we got? The Atlanta Falcons with a shocking upset over the San Francisco 49ers and pretty dominant 28 to 14 at home. Both teams are 3 and 3 after this. The Atlanta Falcons are the only team in the NFL undefeated against the spread so far this season. Jimmy Garoppolo, a mediocre game, 29 of 41. With almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions, that is not going to get it done. And Marcus Mariota balled out, 13 of 14, 129 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but that's not it. He also had six carries for 50 yards and a rushing touchdown. So Mariota did it all for the Falcons. Uh, Next up, a snooze fest. The Seattle Seahawks uh, beat the disappointing Arizona Cardinals 19-9 at home. The Seahawks 
somehow have a better record than the Cardinals so far. They're three and three while the Cardinals are two and four. Kyler Murray, 23 of 37, 222 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, not good enough. He had 10 carries for 100 yards, which is, I guess, good, but no touchdowns. That is not going to get it done. Geno Smith had a good enough game, 20 of 31, 197 yards, also didn't have any touchdowns, but it was enough for the Seahawks win. In primetime, the Philadelphia Eagles are still the only undefeated team in the NFL at 6-0. They take care of the Cowboys 26-17. Cooper Rush had a terrible game, 18 of 38, 181 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Jalen Hurts continues to be great, 15 of 25, 155 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 27 rushing yards as well. Uh, what else do we got? The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills 20, 24-20. They improved to 5-1 while the Chiefs fall to 4-2. and two. What else do we got? The New York Jets shocking the Green Bay Packers 27-10 on the road at Lambeau to improve to 4-2 while the Packers fall to 4-3. Very surprising there. The Los Angeles Rams bounce back with an easy, four, easy home win over the Carolina Panthers 24-10 to improve to 3-3 while the Panthers fall to an abysmal 1-5. What else do we got? What else do we got? Uh, covered that. The New England Patriots with a big road win over the Cleveland Browns, 38-15, to improved to 3-3 three three, while the Browns fall to 2-4. and four. And last but certainly not least, the New York football Giants are 5-1. and one. Uh, They had a four-point, yet another close win, this time over the Baltimore Ravens at home. Daniel Jones, 19-27, of 27, 173 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Saquon with a touchdown and 83 yards. The Giants are rolling. They're 5-1. and one. Lamar Jackson, pretty good, 17-32, of 32, 210 yards, a touchdown and interception, and 77 yards rushing. But it's not enough as the Ravens fall to 3-3. Three and three. Once again, the Giants are 5-1. and one. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for this episode of the Sean Sports Stop podcast. Your division leaders are the Bills, Chiefs, and Ra- Ravens and Titans in the AFC and the Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, and Buccaneers in the NFC. I appreciate you guys for listening, and I'll see you guys on the next one. I love you guys, and I'm out.